All of this and more coming up on Drama School Dropout. I feel like everybody either started doing music, started a podcast, or did OnlyFans. There's a lot of techniques. Sometimes you can just punch someone in the face. Some accents, I'm exactly the same where I'm just kind of taking the piss out of the accent rather than actually doing it. Did you get your, did you get your whole last night? She might want pumped, she might not. Welcome back to another episode of Drama School Dropout, the UK's third best drama podcast. As per usual, my name is Ingram Noble and I am your resident drama school dropout. This week, it's episode 165 and I am joined by an absolutely amazing actor Please welcome to the podcast, Mark Bezik. Drama school dropout. No graduation day for you. Drama school dropout. Fucked your whole course, now try something new. Drama school dropout. Welcome to the podcast. How are we? Very good. Awake. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm not gonna lie. About twenty minutes ago I did have a power nap. Really? Yeah. So apparently forty minutes is the key. That's what well, I've I, heard. I had five. <laughs> you had five. I've put a five minutes. I've been up since three here. Oh my word. Right, okay. That does it make you feel worse or it was like okay for the like a minute after I woke up, I was like, fuck, I've fucked this. Like I'm gonna be <laughs> like a bag of shit. But then, like, two minutes later, I was like, oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. Yeah, man. Good, good, good. But how's life? Because it's been it's been a mad couple of years. Like, genuinely, like, proper shit couple of years. And I know it's a heavy-hitting question, but how's life? Look, it is what it is, isn't it? Like, with acting, it's always sporadic, isn't it? I think you get, you know, with every hundred no's, you get one yes. I had to explain acting today to one of my friends. Because one of our mutual friends is in a show. And my friend's not involved in the in- industry at all. Doesn't really like know about it. Has been to the theatre once in his life. And he's like, "What? What do you reckon he'll be getting paid?" And I was like, "Well, at least equity minimum, which is like six hundred and something a week." And he's like, "That's well good." And I was like, it, "Yeah, but like I was talking to him the other day, and his next job's in February after this. So oh, like really? that six hundred quid a week. Like I know he's got like a a real job in air quotes." But like that 600 quid isn't just like piss up the wall money. Exactly. And it's it's so sporadic in, in terms of jobs and whatever. And then you have to look after the money that you've got. You never know when the next job's coming. And like you said, the crazy couple of years with, with COVID, um, you've just got to adjust. You've got to have stuff in the back burner. You've got to have stuff that you can rely on, you know, other hustles. So, um, yeah, I've just been doing my music, been writing, started my own kind of... Um, um, kind of social media channel and whatever, but it's been trying to keep myself busy as much as possible, mm. like everyone, like every actor. Mm. I feel like everybody either started doing music, started a podcast, or did OnlyFans. I, I did all three. I'd see, I, I've thought about it, but I can't sing, and people would ask for their money back if they saw my nudes. <laughs> people would be like, this is is this is not what I signed up for. But yeah, it, it has been a mad couple of years and stuff, and it's been, I feel like, I've had such a a nice, unique point of view to watch the the industry come back to life. Have mm-hmm. you? How have you found it? Like re-entering after the pandemic because the industry's changed. Yeah. Well, I, do you know what? I was I was talking to my agent the other week about this. I think the massive change, and oh, you know, I'll be quite big-headed and straightforward. Once I'm in a room, I, you know, I can read the room quite well. I'm good at like you know building up rapport. Yeah. Um, but in terms of getting in a room, that's so difficult now. It's all self tapes. Um, and I had a self tape 
the other week and it was a, an amazing part and I kind of um, I've got a good relationship with the casting director and I sent my script I sent the um, I sent it off anyway and they come back to me oh yeah we loved it like you know we've gone in a different direction I wish Mark could have done that and I'm like I'm saying like if you would have told me then yeah. I might have done it like that and mm. I think one I think now with self tapes it, it's becoming a lot more difficult to really get your personality across to really meet the directors the the producers the casting directors and I think anyone can do a you know an amazing self tape if you do it a hundred times so I think that's the biggest biggest change and personally for me yeah that's I, I, I'm, I'm not into it man I like to get in the room and, and meet people I'm not a self tape guy like genuinely mm-hmm. but like I just feel like, like you said, you're just taking a stab at the dark of what they want. Yeah, you're just like I'm gonna have a guess. I'm gonna have a guess, and it's just like um, it's turned into a lottery. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Completely agree with you. Especially because as somebody who does cast things, I I'm, I'm casting something right now. I know what the character looks like in my head. So as soon as I look at your the headshots, forgot that word there. I, I know if you're going to, like, get the role or not. And I think that that's true yeah. to sort of everything. So kind of it's not prejudging it, but especially because the stuff that I cast and the stuff to, that I direct, I write. So, like, I, I know these characters. Yeah. And I know what they look like. Yeah. And yeah. if I see your CV, uh, your headshot, and I'm like, that's not, a, for example, I'm casting a play right now. And I'm casting two parts. One's called Mitch and one's called Sheridan. And I'm like, oh, you're not Sheridan. I know you're not. So I'm not even going to waste your time asking you for a self-tape. And I think that's really true to a lot of things. And I think that people actually know what they're looking for and could just have in the room auditions because actors aren't complaining about it. I'll jump on a train to London tomorrow for an audition. No yeah, of problem. Course. Of course. 100%. 100%. But you know what? You know what? Sometimes are bad, though. Have you ever been to, like, a, an advert audition? I'm no. sure you have. So advert auditions are very, very different, especially when you're, you're travelling down to London. You can travel down London, you know, two hours, you pay for your train ticket, whatever, and you can be in the room for 10 seconds. And when I mean 10 seconds, I literally mean mm-hmm. 10 seconds. So That's when I kind of advocate self-tips. Yeah, exactly. So in that situation, self-tapes are great. Um, but in other situations where it's a full script and, you know, you want to work, and especially with myself, with learning scripts, I never learn scripts to a full degree where it's static. I've always got room for movement, so I won't overplay it. So if, if I do a take, I can take direction and easily switch it up. So that way, you know, mm. it's better to be in the room. You can't just start sending over, you know, four or five takes of a self-tape. You know, you just got to choose kind of the best one. Um, but yeah, it, it, you know, it is difficult, but you know, it's the way of the world now, isn't it? It's the way it's going. Well, there was, I think it was, it was either equity or the stage that posted a thing where they're trying to regulate the use of self tapes. I can't remember. I'll link it in the show notes if I can find it, but I think they were either trying to get rid of it altogether or they were like first round only, which I would personally like to see happen. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, that sounds good. Like you said, I just think you can go into an audition room and you can totally tell if you're not doing what they want you to do and you can switch mm-hmm. it up. And yeah. also you can get redirected in the same, well, actually, really liked what you did there, but actually this is kind of going to happen in three scenes. So mm-hmm. if you can just take that in, and I just think it's really shit when you're just like, I'm going to just do this and hope for the best and probably never hear. 
Mm-hmm. 100%. Um, but a question that I love to ask everybody that comes on the podcast is how did you get into acting and what was your very first role? Doesn't have to be a professional one. We love a good nativity story. <laughs> nativity. <laughs> love a problematic um, tea towel on somebody's head. Yeah, well, to be honest, it was, it was, it was primary school, to be honest. Um, I think I was in like all my, my class productions and whatever. Mm. And uh, a teacher like um, come up to my mum was like, look, Mark's been doing great. I think you should really get him into like a local musical theatre school or whatever. So yeah, I did. I went into kind of my local school. We did like singing, acting, dancing. I think I started that when I was like, must have been like seven, seven years old, mm. doing all little plays and stuff like that. And then I kind of, fell out of love with singing and dancing probably because I couldn't do either but then I um relatable content I, yeah but then um I got approached by uh, an agent which is still my agent now Red Door Management and they see me um on stage and then so my first role believe it or not so I actually went into extra work um mm. when I was younger I think it, it can be detrimental to an actor's career once you start doing extra work and you want to become an actor I think in the industry I think that's quite well known but while you're young it's good to just be on set get the bug for it um and really experience what it's like to be on set and I did and the first extra work that I did was Waterloo Road and that was filmed in Manchester and it was like series four and um oh, I was absolutely buzzing I you know got the bug and I was on set and I was really taking it serious like really reacting in class and really aware of what was going on around me and um, one of the producers actually come up to me and was like look I love how you're reacting you know is this something you want to do and I was like yeah of course I've, like I've got an agent this is what I want to do he's like okay well I'm going to give you a speaking part so a lot of <laughs> some people know this some people still comment on it today and inbox me like was you in was you in Waterloo Road before because I was actually a different character mm. from Darren my character was called Liam um and then I had yeah I had a speaking part um like three or four lines and then obviously that went into my spotlight that went to my cv and it, it built from there really i love spotlight i know my bill's coming up in like six days can't wait to pay Is that it? yeah all oh, right okay after, uh, well, well, I think it's different. It depends on when you like signed up. I know mine is next week. Is it? Yeah. Okay. You better get your OnlyFans back up and running. It's fucking dear, isn't it, man? Yeah, it's what's that, 170 or something like that? I just don't even know. I think I'm going to switch to the direct debit. Yeah, yeah. And it's like 14 quid a month. I think you end up paying like a ten or more, but like cost of living crisis. Yeah, I know. IMDb as well, that's like 20 quid. Then you've got casting networks and then you've got your headshots. And it's a day do. It's a day do. This episode of Drama School Dropout is brought to you by Flatmates. Flatmates is a brand new play by me, Ingram Noble, and it's on at the Glasgow Acting Academy from the 2nd of February to the 4th of February 2024. Flatmates is a hilarious and intriguing comedy that follows the lives of five eclectic roommates. Debbie the history student, Sheridan the drama school star, Mitch the sociologist turned only fan sensation, Tom the lovable but dim-witted PE student, and Brad. Follow them through a wine fueled game of Monopoly when chaos ensues after Tom stumbles upon an invitation for two to the King's coronation. With tickets in hand, tensions rise and the only question is who will seize the chance of a lifetime you can get your tickets for flatmates either by clicking the link in the bio or going to www.ticketsource.co.uk forward slash flatmates i think there's a though there's a massive difference between doing like youth theater at a weekend and studying it in school do you remember the point where you were like actually this is kind of what i want to do for like the rest of my life 100 percent. soon as soon as i started on stage 
when you get that bug being on mm. stage seven, I think I'm quite lucky in life, really, in terms of I've always known what I've wanted to do. It's never, yeah. I've never gone down any other kind of paths. So I've got other hobbies, don't get me wrong, you know, my, my music and whatever, but, you know, acting is what I've always wanted to do from being yay high. And yeah. I'm, I'm lucky in that sense because I always know, and I always know it's there. I think a lot of actors are the same, you know, I've never, I think I always knew I wanted to do it, preferred doing something else but then when I turned like 16 17 I was like actually no that's what I want to do but most actors that I speak to they're like yeah I knew like yeah. while I was still in nappies you can't dabble in it because ultimately it's such such a difficult industry you've got to really really love it and have a passion for it to get them knockbacks and 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 be ready so yeah 100% of I've always known what I want to do Sometimes I fucking hate it. it. It's one of them, isn't it? It, it, it is one of, it's an industry that you knew you were getting yourself in for. I certainly did, especially when, you know, when you're younger and auditioning and stuff. I, I'm, I'm used to it now. I'm, mm. I'm so used to it. I've been doing it since I've been, what, seven years old, so mm. 20 years. I can deal with the rejection. Like, rejection really doesn't... I, I've been rejected for one thing that hit me, and that was just because I, I, wanted, I wanted that part. Like, mm. and it was a part of something that I've loved... I can't, I can't say what it is I signed an NDA, but like it's been part of something that like I really have grown up with and stuff. And I was a bit gushed, you know, my mum being like, you're not allowed to be upset about these things. Like just move on. And I was like, just give me 10 minutes to just feel the feelings, you know, but the mm. rejection doesn't bother me. It's, it's the actually what has bothered me and what I didn't expect when I was coming out of drama school is the nothingness. Like you spend all these hours emailing people and being like, "Hey, I exist," to just hear nothing back. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's the nothingness. It's not so much the rejection; it's the nothingness. Okay. Oh no! At yeah. least those people know I exist, and if they think yeah. of me in a month, they'll be like, "Ah, email him." But it's just yeah. like I just, and I'm not asking for much. Like, just shoot me an email back, being like, "Hey, Ingram, my books are closed right now. Lovely to meet you, though, and hopefully we can connect <laughs> in the future." It's yeah. just. And I wasn't, and nobody speaks about that enough. Everybody speaks about the rejection. Like I remember in drama school before your showcase and stuff, they're like, oh, it's not going to change your life. Don't think you're going to walk out of here and be on the West End next week. And people talk about the success, obviously, but nobody talks about the nothingness of the industry. Mm -hmm. And that's the most frustrating part for me. Mm. Yeah, I get you. You've always, like like I said, I've got a lot of side hustles, you know, that I do. Um, with my music, you know, my comedy and whatever. So, like, like I say, you just gotta, you just gotta keep yourself yeah. busy, stay in the industry, and that, that's, that's, that's that hard thing. But this is, this is quite bad to say, but it makes it good for you know people like us that stay in the industry because a lot of people do drop out. Um, you know, they, they, you know, they leave their agents or you know they get a, they get a normal job and they get, they get lost in the rat race. Whereas mm-hmm. You know, you got it. You got to take the chances. You got to be. Um, you got to be ready to go as soon as it comes knocking. And I feel like that number of people that have left the industry has only doubled since COVID. Mm-hmm. Like I was, I was looking the other day, and my first ever class, action class, there was thirty of us. And this, we only graduated in what two thousand and nineteen, and there's thirty of us. And I think there's two of us that are still actively, actively like this is our full time career and then yeah. there's like i think two that are like if it happens it'll happen but the rest of them aren't even acting yeah no it is it's difficult I, i'm exactly the same as you i've got so many people you know friends but not even so much people that have been in acting classes like actors 
that I've had amazing roles, been with you know amazing agents and mm. packed it in. They just they, they can't they can't cope. But I get it. I I, I, I get 100%, it. A hundred percent get it. But it's just something that I would I would never ever do. I'm quite like at the moment. It might change, but I'm very quite happy to make sacrifices for this. Like in the past year, I've missed two of my best friends' weddings for auditions. Oh wow! Oh, wow. Uh, and there's just some people that aren't like happy to make those sacrifices, and that's also totally fair. And also, sorry, Grayson. Sorry, Olivia. I didn't tell you that I was at an audition. I told you I was not well, but I was. I was. I was doing Shakespeare auditions. Um, but. Talking about like drama school and stuff, if my research is correct, you studied at the Manchester School of Acting. And one of my favourite things to talk about when it comes to drama school are funny and crazy drama school stories because some shit goes down behind those doors that people wouldn't believe. Have you got like a favourite crazy or funny story you can share with us? Do you know what? Uh, with Manchester School of Acting, it was very TV orientated. So yeah. I was there for a good five years. But previous to that, I was with Rest is Soul, God Rest is Soul. Um, is a gentleman called David Johnson. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. Um, I've heard of him around, like, when I've got, like, Manchester actors on and stuff. Yeah, I mean, the, the amount of people that he's taught and the calibre of actors that he's had in his classes is incredible. But that was more stage-orientated. Um, <laughs> and I, I remember once I was um, on stage, and this was, like, on the actual show. This was on the night. And um, I was playing, like, a... It was kind of like a wise old man character, and he had this like massive stick. And all, all leading up to all in the rehearsals, he, and David, he said, "Get right up to his face, Mark. Get right up to his face. Prod him in his face." So I've got this stick, and I'm prodding this guy like that, and I've just gone boom like that, and just gone boom, and literally just busted his lip <laughs> right open in the middle. Yeah, in the middle of the show. But when I say busted, I mean his lip just went pop, and blood was everywhere still carried on the show still mm. carried on the show as long as i feel like i've had a few of those moments and i feel like as long as you carry on like i remember we were doing a play in second year and i had this massive glass like imitation crystal decanter on my desk and i accidentally smashed it and it was at a point where i was like meant to be raging so it was fine and because I just like carried on, I what I didn't carry on because I'm a professional. I carried on because I was shit scared of my lecturer and how she'd kill me if I didn't carry on. But like yeah. after the show, people were like, "How did you get that to smash? That light looked dead good." And I was like, "Well, meant to, wasn't meant to." There you but go. As long as you keep your composure, like these mistakes can sometimes be like the best things that happen in shows. Oh, exactly. I mean, if that would have been on camera, mate, you would have won a BAFTA for that. You know, a hundred percent. Deservedly so as well. No, I remember that. Like it just exploded in front of me. And I was like, I know I've got glass all over me right now, but I can't stop. Right. It's okay. I'm up the top of the stage, so we're not going to get stopped for safety reasons. And I just remember brushing the whole front. And I was like, I don't care if my hands are cut. I need to carry on. Leah will fucking kill me if I stop. And I was like, I, I need to look at my hands. Like, I can't tell if they're cut or not. And I was like, it's fine. I exit in a minute. I exit. And like, I walked out after the show and people were like, that's really good. I can't believe like you got that to smash. Like when you like on cue. And I was like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's been, it's been rough. It's been rough trying to get it to work. And then they came to see the next show and it didn't smash. Yeah. So I was kind of caught out. But I always say as well, like during my stints at drama school, I dropped out and then I graduated and stuff. But I learned 
a lot of lessons about the world, about the industry, about myself. What was the biggest lesson you learned while you were at drama school? Um, well, to be honest, I think differentiating because I grew up on stage. That's kind of what I did yeah. for most of my um, kind of growing up before I went into like um, TV and, and voiceovers and all that sort of stuff. So I think it what I really learned was differentiating stage and TV. So as you know, I'm, I'm in drama school and we, we started to put a lot of things on camera. I kind of just noticed like, like, my, like things like intricacies, like my eyebrows and being kind of too big and being too stagey. And it just looks, it just doesn't look right on, on mm. camera. And I think one of the biggest lessons was learned was, was just naturalism. Um, on camera I think that's probably the biggest lesson I learned to be honest it's so weird because you don't think of these things but like I don't know what happens with me I can be absolutely fine I sit here I'm normal put a camera in front of me I just start blinking really just I don't know what happens as soon as I know I'm being filmed acting I'm just like blinking like yeah how are you today but now you've noticed it subconsciously you're thinking about it and it'll Mm. probably just make it worse no, now I'm thinking about it and I don't blink. That's another issue now because I do like a whole scene and I'm just like wow. wide-eyed, like, how are you to say? What's what's going on? What's going on? No, and like people pick up on it. So it's like finding like the the happy in between. Yeah. Um, a fun question I love to ask everyone though is if a casting director came to you tomorrow and said, listen, I want to do a two-hander with you in the West End, but I don't know who I want to put you with. And you can pick anyone in the world, but they've got to be alive to be your show partner. Who are you picking? Well, do you know what? I- yeah, see, I'm more comedy. I love comedy. That's that's what I go for. That's my, my answer's a comedian. Yeah, so I, I've just read Brian Cranston's book, um, and unbelievable his journey in that, and his acting is incredible. But do you know what? Do you know who I love? I love Steve Coogan, um, who plays Alan Partridge. Yeah, I just think his character is just outstanding, and I think like like as well his intricacies with his comedy is so smart. Um, I mean, not a lot of people know this, but nothing's nothing at all is kind of off the cuff. It's all written, so yeah. everything's so on point. And I just, I just love to learn that discipline of comedy from him. My my comedy is very like kind of sporadic, and I kind of do my own thing, which is sometimes a writer's and director's nightmare. But um, yeah, I, I just, I don't know why. I just, I love to work with him, especially on stage. I think, I think he'd smash it on stage. I really do. Somebody mentioned it to me not long ago. I can't remember who it is. Very sorry. I'll when I start editing podcasts that I recorded, I'll realize. And editing Ingram will now tell you who it was. But they said, like, comedy is actually really hard and the people that make the best comedy are the ones that are really serious about it and it's not like a fuck about in a rehearsal room and it's like if you watch these like like red carpets or like uh, dockets where they're talking about it the people that often say oh yeah it was really good time we just had fun we just had fun Mm. and then you watch it the people that had fun are the ones that are in the shit stuff and the people yeah, that are like, yeah, it was a mad journey. Like we were all doing 12 hour days. Like they're the ones that are making actual comedy. But just because we mentioned Brian Cranston there, I have to say currently standing in solidarity with the SAG after a strike. Um, please do not um promote any struck material. And if especially if you're in the States, please make sure you're voting um for the strike and you're um out striking and picketing and we're all standing with you all and fuck the big companies that won't pay people do you know what i mean um but my two-hander 
would be Catherine Tate. Yeah, really? Yeah. But I don't want to do comedy with her. I want to do Shakespeare. Really? I look shit doing comedy next to Catherine. I, I quite fancy myself as a bit of a funny guy and what I, I write comedy and stuff, but it's Catherine Tate. Really? Oh, wow. I think she's kind of chalk and cheese with her in the industry. A lot of people love her, but some people are a bit like, kind of dislike her as well. I think, I think there's some stuff that she's done that hasn't been great, but I like grew up in the Catherine Tate show era. Like, mm. So I don't know. She's like an icon. Back in of my liberty. Life. Yeah, that, like literally. That one. Yeah, like she's like an icon of my life. So just getting to like, I don't know. Especially like, I'd love to do Macbeth with her. Like I'd be Macbeth, and she'd be Lady Macbeth, and I just think it'd be great. So Catherine, if you're listening, I will do it for free. I'll do for it free. I, I, you can have all of the money, Catherine. Just like, I don't know. I'll I'll even be like a coat hanger if you want me to. We'll do a one woman show and I'll just be your coat hanger. I do want to talk to you about Watley Road though, because obviously the show's had a massive comeback this year. And I I'm normally iffy about reboots, but it's actually been really fucking good. Mm. Like really really good. And I, I suppose the first question that I want to ask you, obviously you're in Manchester, the back filming in Manchester. Is there a possibility that we'll ever see Darren? Again, obviously not as a school child, but <laughs> just never, just not growing up whatsoever. Because yeah. um, I think they well, should do a reunion episode. Well, to be honest, we we did like a a kind of reunion thing online where we yeah. kind of all got we all got together and and had a chat and, and whatever. But that's when we we didn't even know that it was kind of coming back. To be honest, and a couple of my mates now in Watley Road and we've had a good conversation and they're loving it and they're really enjoying it. Um, but I think, uh, I mean, I'm not too sure. The, the the woman who actually cast me for, for, for Watley Road, we've kind of got a, a great relationship. But yeah, I don't think she's kind of casting it anymore. So, I mean, who knows? Who knows? I mean, I, I'd happy to kind of go in for a, a couple of episodes, but I'm kind of a believer of when it's, if it's done, it's it's kind of done, isn't it? You know what I mean? No, what I think they should do, and I, who was I? I was talking to William Rush about this. Um, I said like they should do like a charity event where they have like a fundraiser, and like all of the ex students go back for like a day and do what? Just have a fight, start singing, dance off, all of what? the above, all of the above, right? Okay. O- only yeah. fans, like they go in to talk to the current students about only fans. I don't know. <laughs> Like, just have, like, because there's, like, iconic characters. And listen, you're not going to get everyone back in the room. Like, Jenna Coleman probably wouldn't do it. Like, um, what's her name? Phoebe Dinova. Like, you're not going to get most people. And there's some people that don't have a good relationship with the show, like, and probably wouldn't go back. But I do think that, I don't know, it'd be nice to see the people that made the show what it is go yeah. back. No, 100%. I think, to be honest, it was huge where I was as well in Manchester when... um. It first started up in. Uh, it was filmed in uh, Rochdale, which is just a place outside of Manchester. And you know, oh, I've first, been. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think the first four series was just incredible, like mm. incredible. It was so raw and so kind of true to to Manchester. It was absolutely massive here, and that that's like literally the first part that I had and the first role that I had it, and everyone was absolutely buzzing for it. Do you have like a favourite moment from your time on Waterloo Road? It was just incredible, the whole thing. Like, I, I did, I, you know, I've done some like small parts before that. I've been in, you know, a couple of children's programmes. I've, I've done like a, a few voiceovers, but then 
that was like my first kind of major role. And because we was all kind of moved up from, you know, where we actually lived and we kind of lived together in such small proximities, we literally lived in like little apartments next to each other. And it was, it, it, the only way I can describe it, it was kind of like what I'd imagine what uni would be like. Mm-hmm. Um, we was just all such close friends. It was like an episode of Friends, people just kind of walking in the apartment, um, always having nights out, so it was so close. Um, and I think the whole the whole thing was just incredible by itself. There was no kind of individual moments where I thought, oh, I love that, I love that. But to, to be honest, actually, I'd probably say locations was probably my favourite on, on Wortley Road because, you well, you live in Scotland yourself. Do you still live in Scotland? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, Scotland is, as you know, it's just beautiful, um, especially well, when you can... <laughs> some of it is. <laughs> It is when you, especially when you're heading up north and stuff, and you know. When you watch like, this um, documentary, I'm going to send you after. Oh, you're, sure, you're, yeah, you're yeah. going to see that some of it's not. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, some of it's not, but um, but yeah, I think location-wise, we've had some incredible times, like just kind of exploring and and being on set, like by massive lakes and and reservoirs and um, up in the hills. So uh, I think locations probably my favorite parts. Mm. No, um, I've had I've had quite a few of the because there's like three eras of Waterloo Road. There's like the Rochdale, the Scotland, and now the new one. And I've had a couple of the the Scotland guys on, and um, I, a few stories have had to been cut about the apartments and nights out and people being underage and getting snuck in Crazy. by certain actors that are now kind of famous. Do you know what I yeah. mean? And then oh, they yeah. text me ten minutes later and they're like, "Can we cut that?" Stuff? I mean, that might get someone into trouble. Yeah, it got it was crazy. As you, but we was all young. Do you know what I mean? Mm. We was all we was all young. I was I was eighteen at the time, and then you know you've got people like you know twenty, you know seventeen. Like one of my best friends, Joe Slater, when he first joined, he was you know just turned seventeen. Um, and you can imagine being like a, a prime time BBC One show at seventeen years old. Like, yeah, it was nuts. How did you feel about it moving to Scotland? Because there was. There were a lot of um, like mixed reactions to that. I, I loved it. I loved mm. it. I'm not going to lie. I loved it because I was doing what I loved. And like was, you know, we had a, a little conversation before about acting being so sporadic to have kind of something that mm. consecutively, not on and off, you know, it, it, other than that, you're going to have to go into a soap. So because, because it, I was consecutively working and doing what I love yeah. and be on set, every single day i was i was living a dream man i was living a dream did you um did you nick anything from the set do you know what I, you know what i did nick actually i nicked a few ties um i've got a few i've got a few ties and then there's a there's a, a hoodie as well a darren's hoodie mm. and i swear i swear i've not seen that in ages actually and i got all the cast to uh to sign it as well it's like a, a proper rubbish like in deodora hoodie or something but pretty sentimental mm. but um other than that yeah, I didn't really nick that much, to be honest. Mm. If you're ever strapped for a Halloween costume, you're sorted. Yes, yeah, yeah. Waterloo Road tie. You had some, like, quite, like, Waterloo Road, it was a bit soapy, but there was, like, an undercurrent of comedy storylines and then, like, sort of harder-hitting storylines. And you had some quite, like, serious harder-hitting storylines. One that comes yeah. to mind is when, like, you found, like, your character's mum dead with um, Laurie Brett. Like... Being so young, did you find it hard to do those sort of harder scenes? Because, like, I don't know, they say acting's all about having life experience, and I, I just think that 
as a young actor, that's sort of the one thing that you can't be taught, but you are lacking. Yeah. No. Do you know what? That's an incredible question. And to be fair, when I when I first kind of went onto Waterloo Road, it was all comedy. Um, and as people kind of got to know me on set and, you know, I started to do quite well and, and I got quite friendly with the, the producers and, and directors and, um, you know, I had a great relationship with the, the casting director, Michelle Smith. Um, they just thought, look, you're all about the comedy. Let's let's do something different. We've got something kind of planned for you. And then obviously with the kind of emotional scenes, um, with my mum passing away, you have, like you said, it's all about life experiences and using emotional recall. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, uh, you know, a few years before that, my nana passed away. And um, my dad, I, I had my dad send me a picture of my nana on my phone. And then I kind of just used emotional recall. But as as the day kind of commenced, it was like a scene crying there, a scene crying there, a scene crying there, a scene. And it was like five scenes of like all this emotional kind of day. And wow, was I exhausted. And there's a, there's, there's a trick as well. And not a lot of people know this. But um, so when you really want to get tears coming from your eyes and maybe you're kind of drying up a little bit. So there's something, it's, it's like a pen, right? It's like a like a little white pen and it's got mints inside of the pen. Yeah. And they go like that and they blow it into your eyes and because the mint's going into your eyes, your eyes just all of a sudden go dead red and there's just tears rolling mm. from your eyes. And that kind of gets you going as well. But in terms of, yeah, I, I kind of just use like an emotional recall. I, I kind of, I, I didn't struggle with it really. I've like, like I, I was acting years before that. So, um, yeah. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't struggle with it, but yeah, like you said, it's a, it's a great question in terms of like using emotional recall, isn't it? Mm. Also, just another tip, and I, I don't, I've never, I've, ne- I've never used it, and I don't particularly know how it would work in terms of, especially on stage, I don't think you could do it, but on camera, you probably could. There's like, there's the pen, but there's also like, you know, like a lip balm sort of thing that is like just a tube of like menthol shit, and you just rub it under your eye, and it irritates Ooh. your eye and makes you cry. Yeah, yeah, there's there's a lot of techniques. Sometimes you can just punch someone in the face. That's always a good one. Yeah. I watch videos of American soldiers coming home from war and surprising their family. It makes me cry every time. Don't know why. I'm a bit, like, anti-like war. Like, I think it's all a bit bullshit. But, like, I watch those and I just tear up. Do you know what I mean? I'm, I'm, do you know what? I do cry off films. I'm one of them guys. I don't. I don't. No. I've cried three three times at yeah. a film or TV show. One was Dobby dying. One was the end of <laughs> one, the end of Toy Story 3, which is even fucking worse. And then one was a an Orange is the New Black episode. I can't remember which one, but I was like sobbing my sobbing my heart. I don't cry over shit. Yeah, I do, man. I do. Especially animals as well. Especially animals. Somali and me is a no-go. Yeah, no, definitely not. There's a sadder one, though. It's called... I Am Legend, that was it. When the dog died, oh my God. That was horrible. There's a really sad one that my friends always talk about, and it's called Hatchy, A Dog's Tale, something like Mm. that. And it's about this dog that always waits for, like, its owner coming off the train from work, and then one day the owner dies. And, like, it's about the dog, like, dying. And God, yeah. Living on its own. That is not for me. Definitely not. (laughs) I'm not for watching that. 
Um, uh, some fun questions that I like to ask everyone just because I'm a nosy bastard. And that's the whole reason I do podcasts, because I'm nosy. Who's the <laughs> most famous person that you've got in your phone contact book? Do you know what, right? I was speaking I was speaking to... I've got like a, a friend, we're kind of business partners, we've gone into business together, like writing scripts and kind of setting up our own production company and whatever. And we was going through like my emails that I've got because I'm, I'm quite close to like some producers and whatever. And I did a film with Sasha Baron Cohen once and I actually had his number. And because I had a sketch at the time and it was on my old phone and I've still not got his number to this day. Sasha Baron Cohen's number. What's your favourite Sasha Baron Cohen like character? Oh, it's got to be Ali G. And I know you were in the Brothers Gims- Grimsby, but like... Yeah. It's got to be Ali G, hasn't it? It's mm. got to be. I think mine's Borat. Really? He is the nice. Mm. I like you. But my favourite Sasha Baron Cohen joke is when he says to um, Victoria and David Beckham, so when he grows up, do you want him to be a footballer like his dad or a singer like Mariah Carey? Oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is my favourite. Because especially, like, you expect, like, Posh Spice to be a stuck-up cunt, but she was, like, a really yeah, good yeah. sport. That's yeah, my, yeah, yeah, that's my yeah. favourite joke of all time. What's the weirdest dm you've ever received on instagram oh so this this happened a couple of years oh this is mad so there's a there's there's a thing called the warehouse project i don't know if you've ever heard of it yeah. it's like a rave in manchester and i went years and years and years ago and i i've still got the i've still got the dm now i've print screened it and oh the guy's so funny so he inboxed me and he inboxed me my id and he's like by the way um i just wanted to let you know like all these years i've had your id for like seven years and i've been using it to get alcohol for all these years and i've finally come up the courage to tell you um and you want to see the id i literally look about 14 on it it looks nothing like him and i just feel like i don't know what a cool guy just literally just to inbox me and tell me over no, I don't know. I don't think people would would tell people, would they? And I just think, what a guy to just fucking inbox me and tell me that. Not condoning anyone doing anything underage, but if I ever had an ID when I wasn't old enough to have one, the person whose it was knew that I had it. Yeah. Because I'd go to them and say, can I borrow your ID? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But he was just like a random guy. Yeah. I think from like fucking Ipswich or something just come down for the warehouse project and I just feel find it weird how he's just been using my ID for like years and years. there were two of you there yeah do you know what mm. I mean I, feel, I just thought that was mad but that's that's one one inbox mm. I can think of but you know Instagram mate bloody hell the amount, the amount of ones that you receive like um, I want to be your sugar daddy um, send over oh, your I don't get any now. of them oh I do free to oh, hit me I, up like, send me your details I'll send it straight over I'm like yeah that sounds legit mate yeah I'll, I'll give me details now Okay. I, I, I would. I'd, I'd take the chance. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Somebody sent me my phone number once, like a random account sent me my phone number and then sent me my address, which was slightly alarming. Um, And I text all of my mates and I was like, listen, like it's funny and shit, but like, can you just tell me if this was you? Cause I'm about to change my phone number. And that's like a hassle. And everyone was like, no, gen- genuinely like wasn't me. So that was, yeah. that was a bit weird. Yeah, I got my Instagram hacked like three years ago. Someone took over my Instagram and was inboxing all of my friends and like loads of random people on Instagram from my account, but using my like terminology, like calling people like bro and yes, brother, like, and he was saying to people, right, um, can can I send something to your number? Um, it's like a voucher. And then all you got to reply is yes. And it was taking like 20 pounds from their phone bill, but they did it to like 200 people. 
But I'm like, as soon as I got my account back, I was messaging people like, why did you do that? Like, it was yeah. just so obvious. Like, why would I just randomly message you about fucking sending a voucher to your phone? But people people was, like, very, very angry. I had, like, because I had, like, quite a lot of younger kind of people following me from, like, obviously, Wortley Road and, and children's programs and stuff, like, parents inboxing, like, you stole from my child and all this shit. I'm like, you know, it wasn't me. I'm not hard up, do you know what I mean? No, like, it's it's really, really weird. And touch wood, never had my shit hacked. Yeah, it's it's, it's not nice, put it that way, because, because I, I've got, like, a, another kind of instagram and i was just watching my instagram and i'm just like someone's got hold of it and it's just i don't know it, it's something weird about it. it's so intrusive you know what i mean and instagram did nothing for me i just watched like loads of youtube tutorials i ended up getting it back through like content contacting my email and yeah it was it was yeah. not great it must no. have got thousands it must have got thousands from people my mates would know it was hacked though because i am really shit at replying so like they get a reply from me and they'd be like something's up yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, what has been the biggest "what the fuck is happening" moment you've ever had, like in a good way? Yeah, one of the one of the best ones I've had is I did a um, a film, um, like a, a feature film called "Hold the Dark" on Netflix, and it was I've done like a fe- feature films before, but this one was like a proper like adventure film. Yeah. Um, and it was filmed. It was based in Iraq, but it was filmed in Morocco, and I had to get like a, a flight into Marrakesh and then a flight from Marrakesh like a, a little tiny tiny little private Wind plane. Up plane yeah like a little propeller plane and it was that small the plane I'm not joking yeah the pilot got out of the plane on the runway and took our suitcases off the plane for us it was that small there was literally about five people on there and when I got on the set there was like um like all these army helicopters and like this like all these army planes and I was like in the back of the, and honest oh it was just for me just looking at like I, I think the budget on it was like something like 200 million and I'm just in the middle of it all like 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 200 people on set all this it was just absolutely like what the fuck is going on here like it was incredible incredible can somebody give me 200 million to make shit like I promise I won't like waste it like I, I'll do good shit with it you're just ringing up fucking Catherine Tate straight away, aren't you? Your budget will just be all on Catherine Tate. Yeah, I've got Catherine. I've got two hundred million. The the <laughs> like the issue is though, we're gonna have to film it on my iPhone, and we're gonna have to like film it in a park. Do you know what I mean? But you can have the two hundred million. Um, we're gonna play a game now. This game is my favorite thing in the world. It's called Stage oh. Right or Stage Shite. And it's three stories. Two of them are the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And they've been submitted by listeners. And one's a lie that's been made up by our producer, Heather. I've got the answer in a sealed envelope so I can play along. We've got to find the lie. It's my favorite thing in the world. And I was reading these, and they're a bit mad. A bit mad. Number that's one, cool. I met a girl at an audition for drama school who claimed to be psychic. She told me that she saw horrible things happening in my future and we both got into the school and I actually had to complain to staff about her continuous horrifying predictions about my future. She even predicted that I'd have a near-fatal allergic reaction before the end of the year, but the day before the final exam, she tried some pomegranate and was rushed to hospital with anaphylactic shock. I guess she was kind of right, but just not 100% accurate. Number two, 
Last summer, it was really hot in London and I had a panic attack and overheated on the tube on my way to an audition. During said audition, I was so disorientated that I blanked halfway through my song and to save myself, I just sang Happy Birthday, Mr. President in the style of Marilyn Monroe. (laughs) Number three, my agent sent me to an audition for a Welsh drama, despite me not speaking a word of Welsh. His reasoning was that I have Welsh accent as a special skill on my CV. Wow. Do you know what? When when you first started talking, because you grew up in Newcastle, don't you think, right, that Newcastle accent and Welsh accent are quite similar? Right. One of my, like, things as an actor is that I'm pretty fucking good at accents. Really? Like, it takes me, like, if you turned around and said, right, I'm trying to think of one that I can't do. I don't know, Russian. South, South African. I can do a South African. Fucking hell, you are good then, aren't you? Um, if you turned around and said Russian, if I could find a decent enough video of somebody speaking English with a Russian accent, 20, 25 minutes, I can have it down. Fucking hell. That's a talent, that, you know. But Welsh is the only accent that I can't do. Serious? And if I even have to try and get into it, it's fucking horrible, and I'm so sorry to every Welsh person out there. I have to go, all right, Gav, all right, Stace, what's occurring? Yeah, no, I, I know what you're saying. Some accents, I'm exactly the same way. I'm just kind of taking the piss out of the accent rather than mm. actually doing it. And I don't like doing that. Yeah, so I'm from Wales, I am. I talk like this, I do. I No, I, I have to do that. It's either, all right, I Gav, all right, Stace, what's occurring, yeah. or I'm the only gay in the village. Oh yeah, I am the only gay in the village. But even then, those two are both caricatures of yeah, exactly. Caricatures. But I think um, Geordie is quite. It's just the it's just the way that you sort of like go up and down with the with the accent. Yeah, yeah. If if you're going Geordie, it's it is a bit sing songy, but like totally different. I and that's like the caricature when I'm when I'm doing that. I fucking you got me going going out getting getting mad with. It sounds like fucking some of Geordie's show. It's when people do the Cheryl Hall thing for me, where they're like, um, and slowly I started to realise that I couldn't <laughs> just pop to the shops in me jamas for some milk. <laughs> or the Big Brother one. Oh, yeah. It's day 33 in yeah. the Big Brother house, and Mark <laughs> is sitting down. But um, I, do you know what? The second one seems a bit fucking mad to me. Like... But if that's thinking... real, if that's real, then that is absolutely hilarious, mate. Mm. Singing happy birthday on a fucking audition. <laughs> I'm gonna go for number one because it was different from the other two that there was a lot of fucking there was a lot of detail in there. Yeah, I think when things are lies, it there's too much detail. Mm. That's what people say as well. Yeah. I'm gonna go for number one. You don't have to follow me, you can go for anything. So we had the anaphylactic shock. Happy birthday, Mr. President, and going for a Welsh audition despite not speaking French. Uh, Welsh. French? I don't know where that came from. <laughs> um, I'm, I, do you know what? I, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm going to go with two. I'll go with two. No, number two. And if you're listening at home and you've got a story for stage right or stage right, please email us at dramaschooldropoutpod at gmail.com or go down into the show notes and click the link to the Google form. Number three. Number three. So it was the Welsh drama. So somebody sang happy birthday in an audition. Oh, I've done some weird shit in auditions. 
we have a closing tradition on the podcast where I ask the previous guest to leave a question for us to answer. They won't, they didn't know who they were asking and you won't know who you're asking. And it's kind of fitting that this is the question because you're wearing one of them and I'm wearing one of them. But the question has been, if you could only wear one for the rest of your life, would you pick Nike or Adidas? What you were? Oh, Adidas. You got Adidas. Jeez. Which Adidas. I just like this hoodie, but I'd pick Nike. Really? Mm. No, I think I think Adidas. I think Adidas have got it going on, man. I like the I like tracksuits. I do like the yeah. tops from Adidas, like the three no, stripes tops. Yeah, no, hundred percent, a hundred percent. I'd pick Adidas. Yeah, Adidas. But trainers wise, Nike. Yeah, sugar. Yeah, I've got one pair of. Why did it say? Why did it say sugar? I like don't a, know. You can you can swear. Eighty year old man. <laughs> oh, sugar. Like the only pair of yes. Adidas trainers I've got is a pair of Yeezys. The rest of the time I live in like Dunks, TNs, 110s. TNs? Wow, you're going back there. Old school, mate. Mm. Yeah, yeah, Adidas. Adidas for me though still. Adidas. No, I'm 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 going with Nike. I'm going with Nike. Mm. What question would you like to leave for the next guest? Doesn't have to be about acting, can literally be about anything you want. But what's coming up next for you? Where can people come see you? You in anything that's coming out? So basically, I've I've started um, my own kind of um, social media channel, and we've been we wrote through the whole of COVID, and we wrote mm. a comedy drama that's doing the the circuits at the minute. We we sent it off to Fudge Park Records um, with uh, Fudge Park Productions. Sorry. Um, who's owned by Ian Morris, who wrote In Between Us. Mm. Um, so he loves it. So hopefully we're trying to get the pilot done for that. Um, the social media channel is called Joke Television. That's just gone crazy on TikTok and Instagram. It's got all comedy sketches on there as well. So we've kind of linking up with brands. Um, well, uh, we've just linked up with a brand yesterday, actually, some massive uh, brand that's kind of linked up mm. with us. So we eventually going on to our own production company whereas everything that we write we can do ourselves and put it straight out to the um, straight out to the TV mm. and if you ever need any actors um, I'll work for a train ticket and a hotel 100% just let I'm me know I'm if, I need a, if I need a Russian accent I'll give you a shout well I mean I'd have to learn that one if we're if we're going to do something that you want like decent let's go Northern Irish Scouse Australian. What's your scouts like? Give us a bit of your scouts. I fucking hate this, right? Because I have to do the fucking. Oh, now I'm on the fucking spot. Say, are you talking to lads? I'm fucking from Scouse. I'm fucking... See, but it, right. went, it went a bit. It's a bit at the back of the throat. It's a bit throaty. It's hard doing it. Like, the only ones that I can really jump into off the cuff, like, normally I've got to read it. Is it can really dead easy jump in the Northern Irish? Really? Why though? I don't. I genuinely don't know. I did an audition once, and they didn't want to speak to me before the audition. They just were like, "Right, please just start your piece." And at the end of the audition, the guy was like, "What part of um, Belfast are you from?" And I was like, um, "Parkhead in um, Glasgow." <laughs> Mate, that must have been good then, you know. Oh no, like it genuinely it comes from like I love like dairy girls, like that shit. Like I also love like the scandal of like, hey there, my name's Nadine Coyle, I'm six of the eighty five, making me a Gemini. What did a birthday just say there? Wow, that's very good. You know what my 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 because I lived in Scotland for a couple of years. 
I think my Scottish accent is pretty. Right, I've got ass for it now. I mean, it depends what you want me to say, mate. Like, I just went out with, that with the guys, mate, getting, getting mad with it. You know what I mean? That you know what? Good. One of the, one of the, um, one of the strangest sayings I've heard in Scotland. So I was first time I've ever heard it. So we we've got like drivers who kind of pitches us mm. in Scotland, whatever. And um, I was with my girlfriend at that time, and he picked me up in the morning. Anyway, hey, Mac, hey. Hey, Mac said, "Yeah." He went, "Did you get your whole last name?" <laughs> what? I did not think that was coming. I said, "What?" He went, "Did you get your Did you get your whole last name?" And I was like, "Did it's I?" A get really my weird question for a driver to ask. Last night, it's like, did I get my? I did you pump her? Like what? What? And then obviously it means, yeah. you know what? And that, get I your whole. So, do you do you still do you say that? I don't say it because I I think. A lot of Scottish sayings sound a bit weird coming from this voice. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> my mates do. Oh, she's wanting pumped. Let's see, it sounds weird, uh, yeah. me saying it. I, I did your pumper. Oh, I mean, I'd pump the life right out of that. Right. Like, but, like, my pals will be like, oh, look at her, she's wanting pumped. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Miss Scotland, man. Which, Fucking don't man. ever speak about women like that if you're out there. She might want pumped, she might not, but... um. <laughs> <laughs> no, what was I, I heard something the other day. Oh, she did <laughs> right. This is really bad of me. I don't even know if I should say this. It probably won't stay in the episode. I was walking into the shop with my best friend, and there's a guy outside. And I thought he said, Have you got any spare change? I wasn't really paying attention. I was on my phone talking to my mate. And I was like, sorry, I've only got my card. Right, which is like the new go-to response. And he went, I didn't ask you for change. I asked you for a lighter dick. <laughs> I was like, sorry, I don't smoke. And then the other day, I was waiting for a prescription and I was stood outside of Asda and I was like, I'm on this stupid thing because I gave up fags. And a woman walked up to me and she went, Sorry, son, you've not got a spell snout, have you? And I was like, No, sorry, I smoke vapes. Like a snout is a fag. Right. Oh. Don't know why. And she just looks at me, right? Not the highest calibre of person, right? Um, and she went, all right, no bother. Any chance I could have a wee go of your vape? Wow. And I was like, sorry, no, no. Yeah, that could be straight <laughs> herpes, that, couldn't it? <laughs> um, but where can everyone find you on social media to keep up to date with what you're doing? Yeah, so Mark Bezik, literally my name um, on Instagram, because I got it, I got Instagram, right, when it was just first yeah. started, so... Yeah, I got my name straight away, which I'm buzzing about. And uh, you can find uh, it's called Joke TV. If you just type that in on Instagram, you type it on TikTok, and YouTube's launching in March as well. So yeah, Joke TV everywhere, and also obviously me, Mark Bezik. Everything's linked down in the show notes below. And just before you click off the episode, I've just got to let you know that officially now. Flatmates, my new play is going on at the Glasgow Action Academy on the from the 2nd of February to the 4th of February. Tickets are on sale. And also, I'm going on tour starting in April with my other play. This is where we get off. Tickets are also on sale, so please make sure to check those out. Um, but thank you so much for coming on and doing this. And if you're ever in Glasgow again, please feel free to hit me up and the first round of drinks are on me. I will get mad with it. We'll get mad with it and then we'll find somebody to pump. <laughs> And then the next one, and I will say, did you get your whole last night? Aye, uh, you get your whole last night, mate. But yeah, man, I appreciate you having me on, man. It's been good. 
And there we have it, another episode of Drama School Dropout, episode 165 completed. Thank you so much to Mark for coming on the podcast, and make sure to follow us both on social media, and you'll find all of those details down in the description box below. Thank you so much to Mark for coming on the podcast, and make sure to follow us both on social media, and you'll find all of the details down in the show notes below to do that. And while you're down in the show notes, if you're enjoying the podcast, why not tell someone about it? Leaving us a rating and a review on the show will recommend us to other listeners and help the podcast grow, and it means the absolute world, so please, please do that. If you've got a story for Stage Right or Stage Shite, please click the link to the Google form in the show notes below, or email us at dramaschooldropoutpod at gmail.com to submit your story. As per usual, I'll be back again next week with a brand spanking new episode, you know the drill, every Tuesday at 6am, but until then, have a great week, stay safe, I love ya. Drama School Dropout no graduation day for you, drama school dropout. Fucked your whole course, now try something new, drama school.